Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the C4SO podcast again. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. And again, I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. Todd, how are you today? Good. You know, on my calendar, it doesn't say um, C4SO podcast. Uh It says highlight of the week. Highlight of the week. That's right. Well, we get to chat for (laughs) a few minutes. While we're doing these kinds of episodes, we don't actually get to chat for very long. We chat for five minutes, maybe, um, instead of the uh, 30 or 40. Uh, that we normally get to, so. But I'm sure. But we'll I've get been enjoying this well. series. I think it's uh, yeah. it's been great to have you uh, getting, you know, the voices of our clergy interacting with each other. So I'm enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as well. It's a little different uh, from uh, what we've done in the past, which yeah. is sometimes just you and I have a conversation. Sometimes right. we bring in one other person and we sort of have this uh, collective interview. Uh, but this has been fun. It's kind of this new format of uh, kind of doing a bit of a roundtable. Um, and then you and I just introduce it. So yeah. anyway, uh, so we do continue our series today on reimagining church for a post-COVID world. We are on, this is number four, I believe. Uh, we've covered leadership, we've covered physical space, we've covered liturgy and sacraments. And yeah, this week is community. We're talking about how the pandemic has disrupted community, but also what we're planning to do as um, we kind of emerge here in regards to uh, maintaining, cultivating a sense of community in our churches. Um, what, uh, you know, I'd maybe ask you, Bishop, uh, what challenges have you seen the pandemic present to churches as it regards them having a sense of community together? Yeah. Well, I remember when it became apparent, you know, when governments of various kinds, state, federal governments, and even our, you know, our major uh, medical centers like the CDC and stuff, when it became apparent that the church wasn't going to be able to quote meet anymore. Right. And then, you know, that got politicized as, you know, religious liberty and the government right. can't tell right. us we can't meet and all that. I remember thinking, well, n- no church is stopping to meet. Right. You know, we're just meeting on zoom. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I believe that, like, I didn't really think this was some devious attempt to, you know, right. harm religious liberty or something. Right. But in hindsight, I think what we all quickly learned is that while, yes, thank God for that technology, thank God for the creativity that so many of our churches have displayed in the last 18 months to Mm. hold people together. So like think of that term koinonia, Mm. to like hold people together in some sort of community. But we all quickly realized, and now most of us have read the studies that show that actually being on Zoom is exhausting. You know, it exhausts our brains, it exhausts our souls. Uh, you know, I just, I just saw a friend downstairs at my office here who, um, she's pregnant and almost ready to have a baby and hadn't seen her in a while. just asking how she's doing. She gave me a little hug. It's like, I can't remember the last time somebody gave, like gave me a hug in public. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, so I think what we're all learning is there is something about community that's not just doctrinal you know, like, oh, what does yeah. the word koinonia mean? And, you know, yeah. the doctrine of the body of Christ or whatever. And it's not merely like, well, my denomination or my little tribe in a denomination, but human beings being together 
around an agenda sort of set by God and his kingdom and his purposes. And all of us trying to align our lives to that is actually a really big deal. Yes. Like you'd think it wouldn't have to be said, but you know, that sort of intimate spirituality Mm -hmm. that um, spiritual togetherness that koinonia implies the, the participation, the sharing things in common, the finding our our identities with each other, being one body. I mean, I just think we all got like a giant object lesson in quote ecclesiology. Yeah. Yeah. That's some of what, um, just recorded the the episode we just recorded. Some of what we end up talking about, um, is, is that there is a, uh, yeah, there is like, you know, that, that koinonia, that sharing with you mentioned with like Mm -hmm. sharing in common, like, we gave up sharing just space in common, like right. being in a room yeah. together and, right. and finding out how valuable that was, yeah. you know, after, after everybody's exhausted and we're trying to figure out why it's yeah. so exhausting to meet on zoom. Um, but yeah, needing, realizing that we need that sort of um, human touch, uh, yeah. that human contact um, to kind of, and how that interfaces with, you know, the theology of the body of Christ, like you right. said, yeah it's, yeah, it's a really, really big deal. One of the other one of the other things um, we end up reflecting a little bit on in this episode that um, listeners can kind of listen for uh, that I think is important uh, in the, in regards to our churches and community is that um, if you had a previous relationship, it was easier to maintain that relationship yeah. over electronic means, over Zoom, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. What what was very difficult is for new people to sort yeah. of get to know a community over Zoom. Right. It was almost impossible. Um, and so in the, yeah. in many ways it felt like, so new people joined our church during COVID, but in many ways, just now they're starting to actually yes. get to know people because, Makes total sense. Yeah. you know, they see, they see a little picture on zoom, <laughs> but they can't really, they don't really know much more about you, you know, yeah. um, or they, you know, even if we're in person, there's masks and, you know, and it's like, we're trying not to just hang out and be together. Yeah, so like right. now, even just now, like people who've been in our church for a year are starting to be like, okay, I'm getting a sense for how this, how you guys are a community, that kind of thing. So in some ways it sort of feels like our community life was just, there was a pause button that just got hit yeah. mm-hmm. and we just had to maintain something. And now yeah. we're just, now we're getting back into actually being able to do this and grow. Yeah. It's kind of like we, like you said, we hit a button that, um, launched an era of like minimalization or something yeah, of yeah. community. And now I, I, at least I hope that there's a hope and expectation that we can find our way back to yeah. something really robust because like I picture you walking around Indy and um, obviously you carry the spirit of Christ with you as a follower of Jesus. Hopefully I do the same thing as I walk around Franklin here. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the presence of God with us when we're all together. Yes. That's more than just charming. It's more than just warm or winsome. I think it's real. There's a, yeah. like, I don't know how to say this but with theological precision. Like, I feel like I know how to say it experientially, but yeah. that like, so if I'm by myself, I feel God's presence in one way. If I'm with you having coffee and we're talking about yeah. something, I feel it differently. Yeah. Again, I don't mean to talk in any sort of theological precision. They're just right, more... Right how we experience it. But when yes. we're all together singing or reading a collect together or saying or confessing our sins together, those things we do together, I think facilitates a presence of God that is really important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, there's something important about, and again, um, 
you know, caveat, asterisk, I'm not speaking, I'm not trying to speak uh, super theologically precisely here, but there's something important about this, the way the Spirit of God works between and among us yeah. that doesn't happen purely within us. Yes, it, it has. Yeah. So I guess we don't have to rank it in importance right. or something. We can just note that there's a human, that we experience it as human beings differently. And yeah. it's like really good. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah. you know, it feels like that lines up with the metaphors, you know, to be members of one another yeah. uh, is, is to be in relationship to each other. And something happens, I think, in the space between that doesn't happen. Uh, that doesn't happen if there's no space between or if it's just within me. So right. anyway, well, we'll, uh, we'll get into the interview. Thanks, and, Ben. And learn some uh, more stuff, I'm, eh? I'm, yes, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Bishop. Hey everyone, welcome to part four of our series, Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Uh, today our topic is Reimagining Community, and I'm joined by three guests who have all been actively leading churches in our diocese through this pandemic. The Reverend Kimberly Deckel is the rector at All Souls in Phoenix, Arizona. Kimberly, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, we've also got the Reverend A.J. Sherrill. He's the lead pastor at St. Peter's Church in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. A.J., welcome. Yeah, good to be with you. And finally, the Reverend Andy Palander is the organizing pastor at All Souls in Seattle, Washington. Andy, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Good to be here, Ben. Thanks. We've got two All Souls uh, on, the, on the podcast today, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, it's just kind of a funny little uh, quirk. Um, so welcome to the C4SO podcast, everybody. I'm really thankful that we get to hear from you all today. Our topic, uh, as uh, as you know, is community. Um, less, and maybe to get into this, last week our topic was liturgy and sacraments. And we mentioned that for Anglicans, worship is um, part of the reason that uh, the pandemic was difficult, is that worship is inherently embodied and inherently participatory. And so it was quite disruptive um, to kind of go through the pandemic, and we're looking to get back into some of those things. Um, and that worship, I'm, I'm connecting these dots because worship, you know, again, for us as Anglicans, worship is meant to send us back into the world then, back into our neighborhoods, back into our workplaces, back into our homes, to be the body of Christ together in community. Um, which has, uh, this is one of the things that's been very deeply disrupted um, by the distancing required, uh, by people kind of huddling in pods um, to kind of um, all of the stuff that has been required to stem the tide of this tan- pandemic has, has disrupted our sense of being a community together uh, as the church. So we want to have a roundtable discussion today with the three of you about what you're seeing, about what you're learning, and then uh, also about what you're planning. Like, what are you thinking of doing uh, now as, as things are changing? Um, it feels like they change uh, every week. There's some new mask mandate going away, or um, there's something new that our, our churches have to grapple with um, every week. So as we begin to kind of emerge from lockdown, what, what are the plans, you know, that, that our churches have to regather as community and to cultivate a sense of community? Um, but maybe let's start here. Um, in what ways... Was your was community life disrupted for you during the pandemic, um, and where are you now as it regards cultivating 
a sense of community in your church. So give us a brief, maybe history and kind of just a, a picture of where you're at. Kimberly, maybe we can start with you. Um, yeah. All right. So All Souls in Phoenix um, mm-hmm. launched officially on March the 1st of 2020. Um, <laughs> so a few weeks after we launched COVID, everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so I'm coming at this from the perspective, right, of a, of a church plant that's really only had um, a couple weeks, like as an officially launched um, church in kind of non-pandemic. Um, one of the things that I think as we've reflected back on um, even our time prior to officially launching, we moved pretty slow, like kind of in the in the world of church planting, sort of the model that we were using and the way that we are progressing and just really developing a sense of community and core group was pretty slow. And there were times that we felt uncertain about that um, mm. and felt kind of un- insecure. Like, are we, are we doing things right? Whatever that means. Um, and I think that once the pandemic hit, we um, realized that a part of like what God was doing just in his faithfulness and how he formed our community was allowing us to have that really sweet time before we officially launched to really build a sense of community. Um, And so I think that that allowed us, and as we talked to some other church plants that maybe didn't take that same type of time kind of upfront, to still feel some sense of community, even as we really quickly went to meeting virtually for for so long. And so, Hmm. um, yeah, so that's been a big part of our story. I mean, our first year really has been in pandemic, but we were able to set like yeah form this kind of core group of people where we are sharing meals together um for like a year before and getting to know each other and just doing life together um so that even virtually that was a challenge for sure but it wasn't as Mm -hmm. if we were all getting to know each other that way so yeah that's interesting uh kimberly i think one of the things that i've noticed uh for us um is that uh the people who've joined our church since the pandemic started it's been very hard for them to get to know people. Yeah. And I've noticed that like the virtual environment or the screen, like it's it's okay for maintaining relationships that have been developed mm-hmm. in person, but it's really difficult to develop that. Um, and so that that's really uh, an interesting observation, I think. And like you said, a testimony to God's faithfulness that you were able to uh, kind of lean on something that you'd cultivated before the pandemic began. Um, even when you had to go virtual. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, in terms of like how our community has developed since then, like you said, new people, it's it's tricky. It's been really hard. Um, And so, you know, in terms of where we thought kind of all souls would be going and how we would um, sort of grow and develop as a church plant, it looks like where we are today is way different than we imagined. Hmm. Um, So it feels like I'll talk more about it, I'm sure, in today, but it feels like we're kind of starting over. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like you said, we'll get, we'll get around to some of that. Like, uh, what are you guys planning to do? Um, but yeah, so it feels like maybe there was like this pause almost of like, okay, we can't really do much, uh, in terms of developing community, but we've, but now we're starting over, you know, now that we're sort of, uh, emerging. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, how about you? What about you guys? What, how did this affect you and where do you find yourselves today in regards to community? Um, well, we, before the pandemic had been meeting for worship, you know, for about 10 years in a middle school and, okay. uh, haven't had, you know, a space of our own, uh, beyond what we can rent in the area. Um, 
And so not only did we lose that space very quickly, but pretty much any rentable space has been lost to us, um, hmm. even through now. I mean, lots of other churches, uh, schools, parks and rec spaces are not uh, opened. Um, just the way that uh, our our region has responded to the pandemic. So um, we, yeah, just were immediately and very, very completely uh, <laughs> spread out in that sense. Um, but I've, you know, we've been really encouraged by the ways that People have remained engaged. Um, you know, we've really, I've been surprised by participation through digital channels and Zoom and these sorts of things. Um, and right as it happened, we had been um, uh, planning for some time before the pandemic happened to actually um, launch this initiative within the community that would really give a sense of, uh, of course, we called them parishes um, within sort of our neighborhood. Um, mm. which got to be a, a confusing word as we were moving into the diocese. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we had sort of these three ge- geographic areas that we broke our neighborhood sort of up into where people would really have a sense of doing church and doing community uh, with the people nearest to them. Mm. Um, our neighborhood has about 100,000 people in it. And uh, oh, wow. it was a way to sort of slice geographically and say, hey, you know, be attentive let's, let's be seen, let's see each other, let's um, be aware of needs and sort of focus our group life um, geographically around the folks that are nearest to you. And that was a sweet thing to be able to launch kind of as this was happening. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it remains to be seen how that initiative is going to continue to sort of blossom and uh, be at work in our church. But we've met in a parking lot for a lot of different things. And I think it's been good for us just to be kind of displaced and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> have lots of wonder about how God's going to lead us and provide. So. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, and that, that did those, uh, I was trying to remember what you said there. Did those communities get started before the pandemic hit? Did you launch they had those been, before? We had been, uh, they had been in the works of getting, of getting launched. Okay. And then okay. kind of as the pandemic hit, um, it was like, well, okay, let's go. This is, to, yeah, this seems never, like the... Never better a time, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. Um, Very good. Very mm-hmm. good. Okay. Uh, AJ, how about you guys? How has this affected your sense of community life at St. Peter's? Yeah, I mean, I went into the pandemic uh, in one church and came out of the pandemic uh, in another. <laughs> okay. um, so, so you of, started leading after the pandemic hit. You started leading St. Peter's. Yeah, so I, right? okay. I, I led a church called Mars Hill Bible Church uh, uh-huh. in Grand Rapids, which was a very different environment regionally than Charleston. Um, And so a call to Anglicanism, which was like a decade long sort of run, finally Mm. came to a head and it was Mm. the right time to do it. So when we got here in the fall, it was just a different world. I mean, people were gathering again. And um, I think I was asking questions, not just around community to community, but pastor to community. Like, how do I become assimilated? So for any pastors listening that might have a similar experience or be asking themselves like, you know, I'm new to this gig, and how do I become a part of this body myself? Um, mm. I, I found myself uh, over and again just opening up space. Uh, we have um, space here on the grounds that we meet where it was just like, hey, instead of scheduling stuff, like, what if we just made like slots available every week? You know, nine to eleven thirty, I will have French press available for you. Um, mm. So come, you know, on a work break or come before work. 
hang out for 30 minutes, demask, make sure we can talk outside. And thankfully, we had weather cooperating with us. And so um, mm. even, even preaching into a congregation of mask wearers is really hard. I mean, it's amazing mm. how the mouth is so important, as it mm. turns out, to uh, right. community development and relational connection. And so um, mm. we've just been really passionate about trying to maximize our environment and our climate. So how do we design community outside and to make sure that we can do everything that we can um, mm. to build relationships um, in ways that are appropriate within a pandemic? Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting that um, I've, I've been impressed by how much climate and weather have played into this as well. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, Phoenix is pretty sunny uh, all the time. It can, it can maybe get uncomfortably hot in the summer. Mount Pleasant, man, it's, I mean, it's pretty pleasant, you know. Uh, I used to live uh, right around there. Um, and so I, I know that. And then, that, you know, I, I know the cliches about Seattle, too, that it's raining all the time, so... I don't know. How, how is weather? Have you guys found weather kind of playing into how you gather as a community and how, how it's affected things? For us, for sure. And it's funny because last summer, like as a lot of churches shut down, like, you know, physically meeting on Sundays and then kind of started opening back up in the summer. And a lot of churches like kind of on the East Coast and the Midwest were meeting outdoors. And I was so jealous. <laughs> Because it was like 120, it was 120 yeah. degrees right. here, right. not an option. Right. Um, yeah. And so as soon as it did start to cool off here, because we do have, you know, from kind of October until like early May, the weather, and it starts getting warm in April, but it's really lovely and, and outdoors is totally mm-hmm. doable. So we um, did start meeting outside. We moved indoors when we first started meeting again in the fall, and then we moved outside from the beginning of December until the end of April. And it was lovely. Mm. And I actually kind of miss it. Um, And I think that it's been, it was interesting for us what meeting outdoors even just did. Yeah. Even just in terms of how it like developed our sense of community. um, It it gives like a different feel. We met in a backyard. And so we're pretty, I mean, Mm. we're pretty low church anyway, but it just gave this really, um, I don't know, like made it, felt even more like familial in a way like people on blankets and um you know like lawn chairs and things like that um whereas when we've moved back indoors even though you know our liturgy our service hasn't changed much from what it was outside it feels different and we also the church that we meet in is really big and we're a church plant and so it kind of swallows us a little bit Mm. um so there so i as soon as it cools down again i'd be happy to move back outdoors (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was uh, it was interesting to to map some of that. Um, you know, I've got uh, friends in uh, Texas as well, where it was like we were, you know, in the in the late summer and early fall, we had begun to here in Indianapolis begun to meet outdoors, um, and it was possible for us. But then, you know, November, it it got a little bit too cold, and we had to uh, we weren't quite comfortable yet to to go back inside and so uh, we had to go back online and that that was just when uh, a lot of folks in climates like yours Kimberly were starting to be like yay we can meet outside and so that was it was our turn to be jealous um so um AJ I'm wondering if um you know Andy you talked a little bit about your um the the parishes that you called them uh that had uh, begun, begun to be launched. Um, Kimberly, you, like your, your whole church was basically, you know, probably the size of a small group when you launched. And so there's, uh, there's that kind of thing. But, um, AJ, obviously, um, St. Peter's has been around for a long time. It's a larger church. 
were there were there was there a disruption to groups? Do you guys have like home groups or like what do you what do you call those? And were they just canceled or like how did you guys navigate that? Yeah, there was a pretty accelerated sort of momentum toward Zoom groups. Okay. And, you know, six weeks into it, I think Zoom fatigue sits in for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that's um, about the time. Six weeks, everybody's like, wow, I'm super tired of this. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we got our technological sort of ducks in a row at the same time, though, because I would say we were um, not prepared. Uh, we didn't – the church, prior to me getting here, had not really um, – I mean, who, who would have predicted this? And right. it's a very incarnational local community. And so the pandemic in some ways really helped um, our leadership um, sort of focus on, hey, we need to sort of catch up to where maybe some mm. things might be heading in the future. So it's been fun to see um, our church in the best way sort of scramble to say, hey, there are actually people in our church that won't be coming back for all the right reasons. Like I have right. one lady in our community. She's wonderful. She leads Zoom groups but she's so immunocompromised from a um, a treatment she had in her house for termites mm. like a decade ago oh, that wow. she hasn't been able to go outside basically for like a decade. Wow. And she found us during that time and is only like 20 minutes away. And it's mm. so um, amazing to start to consider people like this that we're discovering that may not be resurging with us. Um, yeah. as we begin to gather again. And so um, that's become just a part of our ecosystem here is, is yeah. are, are there ways that we don't want to necessarily incentivize people staying home if they're able to meet? Right. And at the same time, how do we take care of those that are the least of these that yeah. just don't have the conditions within their health to gather again for whatever yeah. reason? And so, um, so that's been really good for us to consider a wider bandwidth of people <laughs> that God might be bringing our way to, to be the church with. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, AJ. I think that leads into the next question that I was wanting to ask all of you. Um, what What's changing for you about the way that you approach cultivating a sense of community? You know, AJ, I heard you mention that maybe we're more open to like community through tech than we used to be, just to say like, maybe this is a viable option for some people. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering, is there, is there anything changing for you about the kinds of groups that you're going to create and the ways that you gather um, Andy, Kimberly, I wonder if there's anything that comes to mind for you there. Yeah, I don't, um, I think we're still learning and figuring that out. One, one thing I have seen is that we, uh, through Zoom, we were able to really, um, we call them grace groups, um, in, in kind of out of this idea that no matter what you're talking about, grace is a paradigm shift for all of us. And hmm. it's a way to sort of, no matter, you know, so we've talked, we had sort of a Zoom meeting for a while um, talking about race. And then and we were looking at Esau's book for a while through that. Um, we just finished one on gender and leadership, which has um, been really important for us to talk about given our own transition um, okay. out of one group and into the ACNA. Um, and we have found that to be, people have really participated in that. And it's been mm. in the evening. We've got a lot of families. So we had to find a time when, when parents had put kids down. We would yep. never have gotten 30 people to show up in person for something like that on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday night. Um, yeah. But we, we do on Zoom. And and so it's kind of created this space where we can engage, you know, these uh, you know, delicate topics, deeper topics, and just kind of do some, do some reading, do some yeah. conversation, be together and kind of allow that to live sort of in that thing. And I, I, 
I can I can foresee that being something we continue to do in, in some regard, um, just because it's so much easier for people to be able to talk about, uh, you know, a book in their sweatpants on their couch right. with their kids or in the next room is to figure out how to get someplace else. physically. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's been a kind of a sweet sweet discovery. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think the pandemic. I mean, it's. Seattle's got a complicated relationship to begin with, like hospitality and kind of being okay. each other's spaces. Yeah. Um, folks tend to be pretty private with with their space, um, and I think that there's an opportunity to. Um, I don't know. I think I think we. <laughs> I've I've never spent so much time in my life under a under a, a portable <laughs> sports you know canopy yeah. next to a space heater or a fire pit, um, but yeah. I think that. Uh, you know, the backyard has been reclaimed, um, and, uh, as a space where we can be together and, yeah. uh, just kind of be family to each other. Um, and so it's, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, what sort of the, the, the more, uh, sort of conversational formation or sort of these, these kind of hard hitting topics like race and gender and plenty of other things like, will those sort of live in a zoom space in the evenings where people can focus and then, you know, will, uh, sort of the gathered times in people's yeah. homes be more about food and prayer yeah. and singing and you know kind of yeah. so I it remains yeah, to be that's seen. Interesting. That's interesting. So there's a we've, we've like the, the way that you gather. You found that the the Zoom the Zoom room is uh, what it seems to be good for is some of these uh, discussions about hard topics or learning or classes that kind of thing. Um, and then in person, the, the thing that seems mm-hmm. to be important there is like, mm-hmm. just the, like you said, prayer, hanging out. Um, yeah. And maybe some ways of reclaiming like the yeah, backyard. Just be together. Maybe it's not like the default isn't the living room anymore. It's more like the default is let's find a way to be outside. <laughs> we got our space heater. We got our canopies, you know, if we need them and let's make, let's make it happen. Yeah. 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 Kimberly. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's see a couple things for us. I think similarly to what kind of Andy and AJ talked about, there'll be things that we'll do on zoom mm-hmm. that we never like moving forward that we never kind of imagined, you know, we were totally, um, probably overly self-righteous as we want as a church. Like right, we, right. we're not the kind of church that would ever do like virtual yeah. services or record things or things <laughs> like that. Right. And then God was like, Oh, but yeah. you know, and so that's been like humbling for us. And I think there's been a few things like similar to what AJ shared too, that have just caused us to, to recognize like the goodness and being able to offer um, services in different ways and to be able to offer um, groups on Zoom because our church is in downtown Phoenix, but we do have families who drive from pretty far. And so we do like once a month, a Monday evening we call it like All Souls Family, where it's just kind of like updates, what's going on. People can give input and feedback. And so being able to do that on Zoom has, you know, allowed so many people to participate that mm-hmm. might not have, but also to participate like more easily. They don't have to, after work, drive 30 minutes, you know, south to be a part of it. Um, one of the other things that's really been starting to kind of shape us as a community, and I think this would have happened for us whether or not um, – COVID had happened, but I've been doing a a fair amount of just like reading and thinking and writing on beloved community. Um, And so started like taking some time kind of through the fall to like to preach through that and kind of form our people in that. And then as we're thinking about what it looks like um, to really kind of, we've been calling it it relaunch, but in some ways it really does feel like 
like replanting or kind of starting over. Um, like, what does it look like to form our, our community in, in this idea of, of beloved community? And so there's like a, with through the King Center, there's these like 25 traits of beloved community that we've been mm-hmm. using. Um, and we'll continue to kind of press into that and, and how do we like shape our people and our church in that way. Um, and so I think we would have likely done that anyway, but mm-hmm. it feels easier maybe to rethink some of that yeah. um, when we're kind of starting most things over. Yeah. But I think we're, we're feeling really confident that um, the fall, like, like as a team, mm-hmm. you know, especially for listeners that are yeah. like, should I plan with any sort of yeah. confidence? I think that's like a big question mm-hmm. that it feels like things are changing every day. Is it going to revert back? Is there going to be a spike, et cetera, et cetera. We're feeling really good about what we're seeing scientifically mm-hmm. about where things are headed toward the fall. Now we could be wrong on that, but that being said, um, it's been fun with our team to just be able to feel like there could potentially yeah. be some sense of acceleration yeah. toward having vision, making a plan, seeing it come to fruition. And so um, for us moving on, I, I think one of the things that we would say before going into the pandemic is the church is woefully malformed mm. to really mm. like hold mm. suffering in tension with the Lordship of Jesus in the universe. Like so many people just bailing because, you know, um, how do I hold the fact that a pandemic is happening right. and still proclaim Jesus as Lord? Um, is that even possible? Does this make me rethink right. the whole story, et cetera, et cetera? I'm not saying those aren't like helpful conversations, but to say, I think some of that is, is rethinking what are we mm. actually calling people into in community life for the sake of being formed for moments like these, that these actually don't turn out to be detours. They're actually invitations, not that we would want things like pandemics, mm. but invitations into deeper life in Christ and to being creative in the kingdom of God. So, so that's a conversation we're having is how do we need mm. to design community for something yeah. like this that, you know, not all of life is, is comfort and ease. Um, and so like for us as a church, like we think about it in terms of a house, like, so we have like three different levels of engagement. There's mm-hmm. a porch, right? The low country here, everybody has porches. So what is spiritually a porch? Well, it's alpha. It's food truck Sunday. It's inviting people into things where, you know, they're not ready to, you know, get involved with a house church. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to figure out who's here. Who could I be known by? Can I move into becoming? And then there's like a kitchen sort of invitation, stepping into a life group, a Bible study, whatever. But I think this third level of what we call a garden is like a, a deeper level formation that I think churches never get to that mm-hmm. um, is a formation school that, um, that we've created here that we just call disciple immersion for lack of a better term. It's a nine-month journey into sort of a holistic pathway of following Jesus, um, which includes so many different mm. th- directions of thinking about the Christian story. And uh, it's a, a combination of like retreats, readings, and reflections, and um, community life, serving, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's mm. things like this that I think um, most <laughs> Christians in the South, at least, yeah. um, they're just bored. And they feel like they've run the gamut. And they're like, is, is there something that's going to actually like really cause me mm to maybe have a little bit of sacrifice for the kingdom of God, to mm. maybe to sacrifice my time, my intention, my, what I love, what I'm about. Um, and so we're trying to think mm. strategically in terms of like levels of engagement for people so that they can assess where they are and move into mm. a kind of discipleship mm. that's really going to equip them for where God is leading us. <laughs> yeah. I want to I come hang out in that house, uh, porch, kitchen, garden. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. I, I don't, does a house need anything else? Um, yeah, I, that's that i think the sense of collective collective yeah. loss collective trauma collective suffering um that as i say that i'm mindful of of you know how there are communities that have formed 
community around that their whole lifetime and their communities that sort of, you know, have read about it. Um, you know, ours is a community, you know, very much where, uh, you know, there, we are, we, we can, we can choose to be pretty, um, yeah. Uh, Insulated. Yeah. Removed from right. things that we would collectively, you know, be, be traumatized by, or, and I think like what AJ was saying, I mean, to move into spaces mm-hmm. of, of, of sort of broadly experienced yeah. loss, uh, uncertainty, grief, um, you know, I mean, I know there's been lots of talk around lament this year and prophetic, you know, prophetic lament, et cetera, but just as a, as a driver toward community, the fact that there is, you know, it's like, what do I do with, yeah. I'm all up in my feelings about these hard things I can't control. And, um, you know, all of a sudden community is, a, is, is something that I need differently than when, you know, um, <laughs> had a hard day because right. there were too many soccer games to go to. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I I think like one kind of going back to again how God just allowed like our community to shape and form. Um as we were spending that time kind of as a core group just like doing life together like way what feels like way before COVID, a lot of what, how, the ways that we were shaped and formed in were around issues really specifically of of racial justice. Um and then a lot of work around um our brothers and sisters who are seeking asylum and who our immigrants, I mean, you know, in Arizona, you can't really escape that. It's an important topic. And so um, one of the things we found, too, is that last year, you know, almost exactly a year ago, right, yesterday, um, when George Floyd was murdered, and then even prior to that with Ahmaud Arbery and, um, and everything that was happening, we didn't, yeah. like, that wasn't new for our community to be, like, recognizing the injustices that occur um, and, like, even the church's, like, um, role in so much of that and in the church's like call to speak out and be present. Um, and so we felt really thankful because where a lot of our friends um, who are pastoring in Phoenix and other places were like really having to, to like answer a lot of hard questions and having people leave and just a lot of hard stuff around like what is the church's call in this. We had already kind of been able to be formed in that. And so that's been like a, an important part of our community and who we are. And I think, you know, I don't, most people probably aren't going to come to a church with a black female priest if they're not somewhat down with that stuff. Um, right. And like, and addressing like the significance of it. And so I think that's been a gift for us. It's been, it's been like hard and heavy, but that allowed us through the summer to be really involved in a lot of, um, the work that was happening here in Phoenix. Um, a lot of the peaceful protests that were happening. Um, and so that was, you know, still really formational for us as a community, even when we were like very scattered and rarely actually together. Um, so that's something we've been thankful yeah. for yeah. as hard as it is, right. And heavy as it is. Ben, one of the conversations I think um, that I'm interested in when it comes to community and all of this is, is the instinctual formation of people in the church at large. Like I'll give you an example. Like no matter what our instincts were toward other people in need prior to COVID, the pandemic only furthered, I think, our mm. instinctual movement away from and not toward the other. Like we began to actually like instinctually mm. start, start to, when we see someone move to the other side of the sidewalk, right? We began to mask up and conceal our identities. Um, less eye contact, uh, less conversation. And I think one of the discipleship measures that the church is going to need at large in the world in the coming sort of 
decade coming out of this, as I hope we are, is um, how do we instinctually reset that to move toward people? I'll give you an example. Yesterday, um, I read a Facebook post. You were on post. Facebook um, yesterday? Wow. Um, I read a Facebook <laughs> post by, crazy, huh? so, so last year. Um, and a guy, in a, a guy in my church was just sharing a narrative that he was at Lowe's. And he's really gregarious, very extroverted, super helpful. Um, and he just noticed that his instinct, he sees this old man, struggling to get these bags of cement into his back seat. And his instinct now was mm. to walk away and not actually lean in and ask the mm. guy if he could help. Yeah. And by the time he got to his own car, he's like, what am I doing? Like, that's yeah. not me. That's not, that's not me. That's not historically not how I've been. So he goes back, helps the guy. And the guy was just like over the moon thrilled yeah. because I mean, this, he said the guy was just like really struggling and, and it just made me think about how yeah. all of our instincts right yeah. now have been reprogrammed in this last year mm. to move away from people. And so how do we help our churches? What practices, what sort of invitations, what are the ways in which we even see in the narrative of the scripture that the, 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 the movement of God is always yeah. to move toward and not away? I mean, we see this in the incarnation, I mean, most seminally yep. of all. But, but I think we're going to have some work to do there yeah. of reprogramming yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you know, um, my wife and I were just joking. You know, we we watch like television shows that you know were filmed before the pandemic or whatever, and you know people like go to shake hands or to hug each other, and there's this little like inside of me, this little like, don't do that. That's dangerous. You know, so like we have this like this you know, and and this gets to what you were talking about too, uh, Andy, in terms of like collective trauma that one of the ways it's affected us is it's made, it's made some of the normal stuff of community feel dangerous. Hugs, handshakes, like being in the same space together, eating food together, like all of these things, you know, I'm glad the science is coming out that it's like, you know what, this, you know, a lot of the touching is fine. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's great. But we still, I think you're right, we have these instincts that are left over that we're going to have to work these out of our bodies um, and you know, we've, we've talked about, we talked about last week, we talked about liturgies of lament. We're going to need, we're going to need to lead our people in liturgies, you know, through worship and being able to kind of exercise these demons, so to speak, uh, in that way. But I think it also is going to have to be done in community. We're going to have to have like little, like small group liturgies. We're going to have to learn how to safely hug each other and shake hands and to honor each other's, but at the same time, honor each other's bodies. And you know what I mean? Like there's just going to be so much... I think just active learning that we're going to have to be doing uh, to get to get back uh, into this. So, we've been we've been living in a metaphor, uh, you know, that in a world hmm. that is not as it should be, hmm. you know, separation is, yeah. is is gravity, and the anti gravity is connection. And like what AJ is saying, and the idea that you cross the street, yes, um, so that you know your dog, the person's dog, doesn't <laughs> daily be COVID. occurrence for me. Yes. Uh, you know, there's, um, yeah. you know, it's like this image, this image of bro- You know, we're in a broken world; things are not as they ought to be, and and yes. it's it's brokenness creates separation. Um, and uh, you know, there's so many different things, to, so many different ways you could go in terms of personality, <laughs> right. like those of us that are introverts and you know, waiting all our lives for. An excuse to stay at home, and and the, you know the, the the extroverts who have struggled, but um, mm. yeah, I think it's uh, 100% like yeah. retool, yeah. reengage, be like, hey, what is community for? Um, you know, yes. and just the the basics of connection and intimacy, and yeah, yeah, um, 
that it energizes me. Well, um, maybe one last question for all of you uh, that you can answer quickly. When you uh, when you think about this sense of community uh, at your church and kind of you know even even the, all the work we have to do that we just uh, mentioned, what are what are you concerned about and what are you hoping for? Maybe it could be one one answer to that. But what what you know what are you hoping for and and what are you what are you most concerned about? Who wants to tackle it first? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of my biggest concerns is, I mean, the amount of new people that we picked up in the pandemic that were just sort mm-hmm. of, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, uh, either searching for a church or whatever, and they found it online. And um, I think my greatest concern is around the yeah. area of yeah. Um, yeah. of belonging and assimilation with com- with regards to community. Because right. for many people, it's going to feel like a homecoming, you know, of, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, you know. And it's the mm-hmm. new person coming in that I feel like is going to feel like they were late to the party of, like, how, to, wait, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. And I want to honor the fact you haven't seen each other in a year. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, how do, how do we make space and veer toward yeah. um, someone <laughs> that has no sense of belonging here? And so that's been a conversational thread in our staff of just like, how do we veer and prioritize toward the new person, toward the one that feels like the outsider? Um, And just, you know, we we just sense that people that know each other, they'll figure out a way to reconnect, Mm. but let's figure out a way right after the gathering. Hey, listen, we're going to take 10 minutes to have water on the lawn outside. Just meet someone that you don't Mm. know and get to know them and ask them what they're passionate about this summer. You know, things like that. Just, it's amazing to me. People in the South, I mean, it might be different in Phoenix and and Seattle. People are way too polite here and just subdued. It's like, come on, just get charismatic and put yourself out there and have a chat with someone you don't know. That's a really big step as it turns out in the body of Christ, just so people feel loved and seen. That's really good. Um, I think, so for us in terms of like a concern, I mean, just being like super real, I think as a, as a church plant, um, like I just feel concerned about like, are we going to have people? Like, are we going to, you know, um, and I, and for in summer in Phoenix too, like people really leave. So it's just crazy how much it slows down, like for every church. So summer's a hard, it's, so it's like, it's hard to really gauge what, like, who our people are and, and even in some ways like that, that sense of what community will look like coming into kind of fall and winter. Um, so, so there's just, yeah, like an insecurity and an uncertainty in that. Um, and then I think, but that said, um, I am, am hopeful, right. To that coming, like as we get into kind of fall and later into the like kind of end of 2021, um, that we'll have this, this like new sense of what like all souls as a community means, you know, it'll look, different than it did pre-COVID. It'll look different probably than it does now. Um, and so there's a bit of, you know, like there's something kind of fun and exciting about that too. Um, just sort of the like, I don't know, the endless possibilities of, of what it'll look like and just um, what it'll mean for us to yeah, follow Jesus yeah. into Very good. this work that we're called into. How about you, Andy? So. Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is I'm concerned that people have gotten yes. really used to and uh, not having to show up yep. at a specific time, yep. a specific place on Sundays. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's, <laughs> I mean, myself included. I mean, it's, it's like, well, you know, 
uh, I guess I'll listen to the service on, you know, in the car while I'm going to, you know, hmm. go ski or go out to the lake or something. So, I mean, I'm concerned about that. I think too, you know, more significantly, I mean, the, the folks that already had sort of uh, relational and community glue in their lives yeah. Uh, yeah. within the community, I think right. that has deepened during, so the people that were connected have gotten more connected. Um, I think that there is a, there's certainly an orbit or an out, you know, kind of that next layer of folks that, where I think, um, okay, what has sort of been uh, adhering for them in this time? And um, I think that part of our relaunch will be that sort of outward facing, like, hey, you know, the, you know, the, one of the, the gifts of, of, of close relationships that already exist is that you can kind of yeah. Uh, go shoulder to shoulder instead of facing each other and really be mindful of, you know, how, how are we, uh, who are we seeing? And, um, you know, if you spot a, a yeah. mask, you don't yeah, recognize, yeah. like, do you go up and, um, greet them and interact? And I think just like, let's, let's not become sort of this church within a church. Let's, we need to kind of remind ourselves and, uh, you know, I'm confident yeah. that we can, right on. we'll be poised to do that, but that's, that's a concern. It's just that, you know, we've kind of become more inward facing, which is yeah, sort of the opposite good. of what we wanted to be about. Yeah. Well, that's probably good enough for today, guys. Kimberly, AJ, Andy, this has been really, really great. A really good conversation. I really appreciate you guys uh, sharing your observations, your learnings. It's been really helpful. again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.